Hey guys, what's going on? G-Man here. Thank you so much for checking out the 2019 American League East preview here on the Bullpen Cart Podcast presented by Thunderblogsports.com. That is right. We are kicking off our 2019 MLB preview podcast with the American League East. It is myself and Greg Piatelli. We go through all five teams. We start with the Baltimore Orioles and go alphabetically through the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Rays, and finally the Blue Jays. And then we rank the teams. Greg and I make our picks and where we think each team's going to finish along with how many wins we think they're going to finish with by the end of the full 162 game season. It's a ton of fun to record. We also did some bleacher creatures, a little bit of MLB news as well. Let us know what you think in the comments because we are going to be going through the rest of the division. So you got to make sure that you like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Again, search the bullpen card on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on Facebook and Instagram just like the website, thunderblogsports.com. But enjoy this episode, guys. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the rest of our previews. Here we go. Welcome to the start of our spring training previews here on the bullpen cart presented by Thunderblogsports.com. I could not be more excited to start our divisional previews. And as per tradition, we start with the American League East. And of course, to preview the division of his beloved Boston Red Sox is my man, Greg the Prophet. Piatelli, how are you, my man? I'm excited. I'm jazzed up. This was the best division in all of baseball in 2018, uh, and it's not even up for debate uh, with three teams that won 90 and two teams that won over or 100 or above. Uh, No other division had that, a.k.a. best division in all of baseball. Pumped, pumped, pumped to uh, get the bullpen cart back and going for the 2018 World Series champions, Boston Red Sox. Ever heard of them? Yeah, first I was, I was afraid you were going to say the 2018 season. I was like, oh, Craig, man, you forgot who won in 2018, but you, you covered it. Wait, who won the 2018 MLB season? The, the Boston Red Sox. Okay, and who won the World Series? Yeah. The Boston Red Sox. Oh, okay, just curious. One seat, one seat in life. You know, I, I mean, was, as, I was you confused know, where you try to go with that. Anyway, um, uh, all right, all right. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, well, well, we listen to the tape. You pause and almost sound like you said 2018 season. I, I stand on that corner. Um, but anyway, I yes, you're absolutely right. The best road. division of baseball last year, and I think as we'll get into, we are probably going to see a very similar result. Um, one team that did, you know, had a nice end of the season that we. Uh, watched very closely throughout September. You know, it'll be really interesting to see where they go. But we start with a team that finished 47-115 last year. 
uh, traded away a number of different players to get some prospects and assets back at the, at the trade deadline. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles, Greg, is where we begin. And, you know, it, it doesn't look too, like it's going to be a fantastic year for the Orioles. They are projected, uh, I'm looking on Odd Shark here. Uh, their over under number is set at 60. And, and let's take a look at why. Obviously, you know, they trade away Manny Machado at the deadline last year, they trade away Kevin Gosman in the offseason. Um, you know, a, a number of different guys uh, that they let walk to and Adam Jones walked. Um, they picked up a few different guys, though. They picked up Jonathan Villar um, or no, they signed him to avoid arbitration. I'm sorry. Um, they picked up Eric Young Jr. to a minor league contract, which I'm not sure if that'll make a huge difference. But, Greg, what are your, what are your thoughts on this team? You know, not not a ton of huge names coming into the coming into Baltimore, but. You know, are we are we destined to see you know another really bleak season, or or what are you thinking? So I, I'm going to need you to explain to me because I've never had a team that has openly gone through a rebuild um, and just openly uh, done nothing in the off season, which is what the Orioles did basically. Yeah, they went after some some young pieces, but they didn't get them like that kid Mesa who signed with the Marlins, right? Mesa. Yep. So. For 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 me, the uh, you you're gonna have to explain that to me because none of my teams have have openly gone through. Uh, we're gonna do nothing and and just rebuild on our young guys. Uh, so I don't really know. Is your fan base? How do you draw people? And quite frankly, there are gonna be a bunch of names that no one really will know. But uh, you know, you play enough, you play every day. Who knows? You could turn around and find some diamonds, find some find some gems and uh, hopefully Chris Davis. I mean, you can't possibly be worse than what he did last year, right? We're talking about a guy who hit what 40 home runs one year. And last year he struck out, I would say 70% of the time. Yeah. Greg, we're talking about a guy who bars in Baltimore. If you remember this, I believe it was a bleacher creature. We're giving out free shots for every hit this guy got because it got so bad for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough when you look at this team and where they were at, you know, even just kind of, you know, they, I don't think they're ever really hanging around. And I mean, they're over under set at saying they're going to lose a hundred games again. Um, you know, so I don't know if we, if we look at them, if, you know, there's really an opportunity for them to really improve. They have that. They still have a, a you know, a, a yeah, pitching staff and i mean this is a team that finished in dead last in terms of era homers allowed whip i mean it's you know it's pretty pretty bleak there but i mean you know in terms of guys that they're bringing back it's you know it's not really a, a large list of num of of names and, and guys that are really like you said going to be going to be putting asses in seats um you know you trade away machado you trade away jonathan shope scope shope and a number of these guys, I mentioned they, they re-signed v, uh, Villar in, in, to avoid arbitration. They re-signed Dylan Bundy. Love saying that name. To also yeah. avoid arbitration. But I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if that if that's a guy that they try to, you know, if they try to ship, you know, like they did with Gosman. Um, you know, I mean, really, they're, they're not going to have a ton to, to really dish out there. I mean, Bill, Bundy, you know, I, I say – I say all that, and he went eight and sixteen last year. I mean, he was doing okay. He had a really bad September, 
Craig, his his record in his last 10 games was one and six. And I mean, his ERA uh, spiked up almost a full point. His whip spiked up almost a tenth of a point. Uh, and even the worst was his his opponent's batting average went from 250 to 275. So, I mean, I don't know if that's something that we're at the point where it's just a bleak situation. You're playing the Red Sox twice in those last 10 games. The Yankees, who we can talk about them in a minute in the lineup they have. Rays watch 2018. They were He had to face in the midst of where he got absolutely shelled by them. And another loss that he actually didn't pick up, but the team did lose against the Astros. So, I mean, that's probably the biggest the biggest issue for them is that they do have to play in you know the best division in baseball from last year with two teams that can absolutely rake and a team in Tampa Bay that's crafty, who we'll talk about in a bit. And, you know, what Toronto brings, you know, you can't really – you can't sleep on them too much in in, in terms of Tam- of Toronto versus Baltimore. But, um, you know, I mean, you, you know, seeing them, if they could get to, you know, a certain number, uh, you know, say if they could get up to like 65 wins, that's, you know, I mean, with this ragtag group of so- guys – so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you their projected starter, okay? Proje- projected starting lineup for just for Please. position players, including DH. Let me give me let me know who you rec- give me a name you recognize from this, please. Yep. Just count them off your fingers. Don't do it. Do it at the end, right? I got you. Cedric Mullins, Jonathan Villar, Trey Mancini, Mark Trumbo, Chris Davis. Renato Nunez, DJ Stewart, Richie Martin, Chance Cisco. Uh, four, four of the eight position players. Four of nine, yeah. Because uh, I you include, say a pitcher. Well, no, I include the DH. Oh, uh, DH, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, of that, Jordy, okay, they have one, two, three, four. Four guys, five guys that they drafted. Five of the nine are guys that they drafted straight from themselves, homegrown players. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. I Mancini uh, being one of those guys, but Trumbo they traded for. Obviously, Chris Davis they traded for, picked up Nunez off waivers. But the point is, four guy. If you recognize four names and you're and you would call yourself a baseball guy, then let's go. Let's go on a limb and say this team is. Not great. Now, no. if you're again, out, they're projected to lose a hundred games for their over under with Vegas. If now, if you're Alex Cobb, you went from the Rays last year. Why would you leave? Yeah. Why would you leave to go sign with the Baltimore Orioles? I mean, I think we've spent enough time talking about them. I would love to hear your opinion about as I, when I first let us off. I'd love to hear your opinion about a team that openly or franchise that openly or maybe not even openly uh, admits they're in the rebuild. Uh, and no. does and does absolutely nothing in the off season, and just relies on their drafting to make themselves a uh, better. I would love to hear what that's like. Yeah, that's a fair point. I did not answer your question from before. Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, the Phillies went through this from basically 2012 until you know ba- this year when they actually you know started spending Comcast Mountain money. Um, granted, the last two years they started getting you know some hype last year. Obviously, they got close to making the playoffs, but. Yeah, you know, um, when they don't make moves like this and they're kind of in the midst of this holding pattern where it's going to be a rough year, and this reminds me of 2015 specifically where the Phillies finished in dead last and ended up getting a number one overall pick. 
Um, you know, I don't know if it's if they've seen what the Phillies were able to do and where they're coming now, or an even better example, what the Cubs did, what the Astros did of a couple years of openly tanking, which is effectively what they're doing. And, you know, just trying to accumulate first round picks and, and see, you know, what sticks there of guys they can bring up in the minor leagues, homegrown guys like you're talking about and, you know, bring it up that way and, and hope, you know, and I think a, a, a town like Baltimore who love their Orioles, hope that by the time that you're good again, that it's still, you know, everything's all honky dory. And, you know, you know, now that we're, you know, now that you're good, that it, you know, no, you know, all the, the past transgressions can be you know forgiven. Uh, I guess Philly is a different breed of animal than a Baltimore fan base, but uh, I mean, the, to be fair, the, the Cubs did it. The Astros did it. The Astros the were terrible for how long? Yeah, but and they got all their guys. Here's the difference: is that the seventy or the, yeah, the seventy sixers embraced it. The whole oh, yeah. process, they, yeah, the process and, and, and blah, blah, blah. trading away yeah. Michael Carter Williams off of winning a rookie of the year award. I mean, it was very blatant. They were trying to lose. They were not shy about it. Yeah. Michael Carter Williams, Syracuse alum, not even alum. He didn't graduate, but Syracuse boy. Anyway, let's Syracuse move on. Uh, right, let's, let's, uh, let's head over next. Yeah. So, so we're going alphabetical order. If you can tell why we lead off the season, talking about the Baltimore Orioles, uh, should have said that at the top of the show, yeah. Greg. We're going. We're staying in the bees mm-hmm. to go up to your beloved Boston Red Sox, who currently I've heard of them. You've heard of them? Oh, that's good. That's good. They play in a they play in a park with a giant fence. I don't know if you know this, mm. because apparently way back in the day, their owner didn't like that people sat on a hill. Mm. I learned that when I took a tour of this no park free, with green uh, fence. No free views. Yes, that's a very good point. And, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it's a pretty iconic thing. If you have never heard of this, uh, I believe it's called the Green Monster. You know, it sounds like a pretty, uh, pretty iconic scene. But anyway, let's jump into the team itself. So they finished first in Major League Baseball last year, obviously won the World Series. Uh, the best hitting team in baseball, first in batting average, first in runs. Are they first in homers too, Greg? Uh, no, that would be the Yankees. Ah, ha, ha, but we all saw how that went in the playoffs. But, you know, I mean, th- this team can can do a lot of it. And, Greg, do you want to lead the way of uh, their offseason moves, considering this is your team? Please. Uh, go ahead. You want me to go ahead? All right. Yeah, uh, so the Red Sox. I'll let you start. <laughs> okay. I uh, wanted you to, you know, to get, get excited about your boys and, and tell me all about it. But yeah. Yeah. Wow. They avoided arbitration with a lot of different boys on their team, including uh, Brock Holt, the bracket ship, JBJ, Xander Bogart, Mookie Betts, all right on November, on uh, January 11th. Um, Matt Barnes, Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah. So, I mean, they're bringing back, you know, the, the gang's getting back together. They're, they're uh, Greg, it seems like that they are really, you know, embracing, you know, this young core and, you know, doing, you know, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. Am I understanding this correctly? Yeah. I mean, outside of not getting a closer, not solidifying uh, the, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. Kimbrell is still out there. So they are potentially losing him. It's it's safe to assume they're not bringing him back. So they only want to give him like a one or two year deal. And Kimbrell (laughs) is looking for, like a six or seven year deal and no one's giving it to him. 
let alone not only the Red Sox, but no one else is giving him that. So I'm not sure what Kimbrell's going to do. He's got to come off that multi-year. He, he's looking for a long-term deal, which no one's going to give him. So <sighs> the Red Sox, as you said, didn't do – outside of they brought back Pierce, who was going to leave, obviously. They brought back Nunez and – you know, whomever, whatever they they basically just brought back the team they won the World Series with, with the exception of of uh, of Kimbrel. Kimbrel. Yeah. So, like you said, no broke, don't not broke, don't fix it. But here's the thing, Jordy. Not only did they bring everyone back they won the World Series with, but they're getting back a guy who, at one point in his career, won the Major League MVP award. An AL MVP award. They only they give it to each league, right? But he was he was the MVP of the entire league that year. I'm trying to and think that, who won who won the NL MVP in two thousand eight, and, and that of course is Dustin Pedroia. The Laser Show, boom, Laser Show. Now, what will he be coming off his his knee and foot and all this whatever injury he had that that kept him out? He played all of what four or five games last year. What will he be? Uh, but the point is that in a position that with the, they they let Kinsler go in order to on a San Diego team, which now looks well, Pujols won it in two thousand eight in the National League. Fun fact. Yeah, and Pedroia is way better. But they let Kinsler go, who's now a San Diego. Who San Diego looks like, you know, pretty good now. They got Machado, but they knew between Pedroia, Nunez, Brock Holt. Uh, and even Sway Lu Lin, they would be able to patch together a second base group until Dustin's full time, but Dustin Pedroia's full time. Um, the only thing that is interesting to watch for the Red Sox team will be the catcher because they have a guy, they have Christian Vasquez, Sandy Leon, who are the two guys who are there normally. But then they have this guy, Blake Swihard. Not many people know of him, but he's the best hitting catcher of the three. Um, and he wants to play. He, if he would go anywhere else, he would be, he would be instant starter for them. He would be unreal uh, for anyone who he's with. But the Red Sox keep holding on to him because he's the, he's him and Vasquez are young, and Swihart's really good uh, at hitting the ball. He's a good hitter. He played in three games in the postseason. Holy shit! I thought he got a lot more play in the postseason last year. I'm looking up his stats now. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. He, yeah, and so, but he also he he learned the outfield just so he could make his way onto the team somehow. I was about to um, ask. He can play other positions too, right? Wasn't he a third baseman by trade and he learned how to play catcher? Uh, but now he plays outfield as a backup catcher as well. Yeah. So the point is that I'm not sure what they're going to do, but but see, here's the thing with the catchers, right? Christian Vasquez, uh, he's your he's your starter, your quote number one, because he. Catches pitchers really well, and he's probably he's he's the middle for the pitchers and catching the pitchers, and he's the middle for the hitting, mm-hmm. right of the three. Uh, Sandy Leone is the worst hitter, but he's best at catching pitchers. And Blake Swihart is probably the best hitter, but the worst of catching pitchers. Not to say that not to say that he's bad at catching pitchers, but the pitchers love throwing to Sandy Leone, even though Sandy Leone hits like just over two hundred every year. But um, I mean. Some guys, you know, some some uh, catchers are their guys. It doesn't really matter, you know. Yeah, you want, got, lead, want them to be the leader on the field. Exactly. Sandy Leone's got Chris Sale on, on up his sleeve, whatever. So the Red Sox price or sale price Porcello 
Eovaldi, Rodriguez, and then you get Stephen Wright as a as a fill in for your fifth slash sixth guy. Yeah, that's an unreal starting pitching lineup. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, and their bullpen without a closer. You know, Tyler Thornburg, he's healthy this year. Um, hopefully, you get him, Bobby Pointer, uh, Hector Velasquez. You know, so hopefully, you get some of these guys to Carson Smith. You know, they sort of been hurt last year. Um, and obviously, Matt Barnes and Ryan Brazier, who who play in the uh, pitch in the World Series. But the bullpen is the is the only concern because you don't have a closer. But other than that, you just took a lineup that won 108 games last year, which was the best in Major League Baseball. And added Dustin Pedroia to it, right? Added Dustin Pedroia to it. Lost your your closer, but uh, I'm excited. I do. I think they're going to win 108 games again. Tough to say, but the AL East is that bad this year, in my opinion, that they might be able to. But you never know. I'll put it, I'll put it this way: they're over unders at 95 and a half, and the odds on it are minus 165. Meaning you'd have to bet 165 dollars to just win a hundred. Uh, and the under is a is a underdog. You would make money by betting it. Uh, plus one thirty five is what you're getting at. At if you think they win ninety five games or less, which you know I think I think a hundred is probably the number to to go at if you really want to be competitive. Uh, but putting it putting it over under at one hundred is kind of absurd. But I think it's doable for this team. I mean, yeah, like you said, having having the the versatility that they do and and just guys that they have. Because we, you, you know, you were very critical last year of being able to do different versions of plug and play that the Red Sox certainly can do, but they have their they have their guys at every position. Um, they can roll out every day and like I let off. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, and and something that that's been said a lot here is that Dave Dombrowski, when he was with the Tigers, built a team strictly around offense and was never able to win. Because he didn't care about his pitching and didn't this and that, and let's say that that Tigers team. I mean, the that pitching staff wasn't as good as this Red Sox team is. Well, that's what I, that's what that's yeah. what they're saying is that he's bailed out by the starting pitching and Chris Sale and David Price and Porcello and. But those are guys. his moves too. So I mean, well, the only one that he did was Chris Sale. The other ones were he didn't there. Do no, he was there before him. Ah, uh, okay. Um, his first moves. So it was Porcello, but the point is that. Last year, everyone complained they didn't get any. Everyone said they weren't going to win the World Series because they didn't get any reliever help. Go out, win the World Series, no big deal. But how did they win the World Series, Jordy? Jordy, they had starting pitchers pitch in the at the end of games. Yeah. So <laughs> David know. Price of you know of the biggest example. That guy, he shed his whole playoff Price you know persona that was you know persona non grata, if you will, and he turned out to be. You know, he was he was a you know solid solid uh, addition yeah. in that postseason. And, and Chris Sale, you could argue he had terrible numbers in the postseason as well. And I mean, but again, they had Nathan Eovaldi pitch pitch nine or seven innings in a in a extra inning game, right? They had they had Chris Sale close out game five rather than bring in your closer. So the point is that Dombrowski for which hurts the starting pitchers in the long run, you know. So I think it's going to be a little slower start for the Red Sox than what they had last year, okay. um, just because they they played so much later, they their pitchers pitched so much later, which means you're going to need more time to ramp up. Um, now this is a whole separate question we can get into later, but what would prevent a team like the Red Sox who have six starting pitchers to pitch six for the first month and and 
get guys a little more rest. And because, you know, the big thing was Chris Sale faded last year, right? Chris Sale didn't do that well in August and September. And they almost, they shut him down with his injury or whatever, you know, his, his, his belly button. 17 too. Isn't that just kind of becoming his thing? Yeah, exactly. That was a big, a big thing in 17, but Chris Sale had his belly button ring infection that shut him down. Right. Remember that was the old joke. Oh yeah, you're right. (laughs) I forgot about that whole thing. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I would consider it personally if I was Cora, but again, I haven't won any World Series, so who am I? Let's move on to the next team because I could talk about the Red Sox for hours. Yeah, and I, feel, I have a feeling you might not want to talk about this team, uh, or oh, you I, might. I would love to talk about this next team. You want to talk about this team? We move over. Of course, we're moving alphabetically. We go to the New York Yankees, the Bronx Bombers. The as Greg might call them, the evil empire, uh, the favorite of my late great father, the New York Yankees, who had a you know, they might not have been able to get some of the biggest names off of the trade, you know, from the, you know, the trade deadline, the free agent market, but they did pick up some, some good, uh, some good acquisitions. I think they got DJ LeMahieu as their second baseman, uh, off of out of free agency. They traded Sonny Gray in a three-player deal to Cincinnati, and they end up getting – actually, it's a three-team deal, too. They end up getting Shed Long, or he gets sent to Seattle, and Seattle comes back. Yahoo puts these trades in so James weird. Paxton. They got James Paxton, starting pitcher, lefty. Well, yeah, they, they picked him up. They previously picked him up, though, and signed him to avoid arbitration, I believe. In November, um, I thought they got him. Yeah, they got him in November. Um, that wasn't a part of this tr- this three way trade, but yeah, they they pick up a number of different dudes. They got AJ. They sent eight. Uh, they picked up AJ Cole, or they actually he got sent to Cleveland. Oh, um, signed Greg Greg Bird to avoid arbitration. Um, yeah, I mean Troy Tulowitzki. They picked up. That's another big name, and of course he had the big homer a couple weeks ago or last week because it's only been a week of games uh, where he. <laughs> Greg, did you see this where he hits a home run and he starts screaming at the Toronto bench or the Toronto dugout um, after he hit a bomb off of them? If, I, if I'm if I'm Troy Tulowitzki, I would be pumped. I'm not in Toronto right now. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's been an, a busy offseason for them. Then the big news that they had uh, last week, they signed Aaron Hicks to a seven year extension the week before that. Signed Luis Severino to a four year contract. Um, and Severino missed his start today due, due to shoulder pain. I read or I've read Greg. I mean, what have your thoughts been on the Yankees and what they've been doing this off season? Cause it's been interesting. You know, they were trying to be players in both Harper and Machado didn't get it, but they made some interesting moves. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it'll be, it, it'll be fun to watch them. I think. Well, everyone's talking about how this is the quote unquote best bullpen ever assembled. And that's what people are saying on paper, blah, blah, blah. But lest we forget, Aroldis Chapman struggled at the end of last year. Struggled. Zach Britton, since his injury, has been a shell of himself. Okay, Dallin Batances, yeah, good, 6-7. His body will break down soon enough. That's a good point. I forgot Adam Adovino they picked, yeah. up, picked up from Colorado. He's good. I'll give I'll give yep. I'll give the Yankees credit there. But CC got suspended for what? Um, like I guess how many games is he missing? Do we know that? I'm gonna look at this. He also signed. Did you see some with ESPN today to do uh, various spots while he's playing this year? 
that's absurd. That's yeah, so. Right. That's uh, fucking ESPN. Um, <laughs> but my point is Love that hate. as good as the Red Sox starting pitching is, the Yankees is that bad. And just like as good as the Yankees bullpen is, the Red Sox is that bad. Well, that's why the the Severino injury is actually a little bit concerning, is because you know he's your tried and true guy. You know, I mean he's he's been pretty solid. Paxton's you know I'm gonna pull up his numbers now, but you know he's been in Seattle for a while. Tanaka, I mean, is he healthy? Do we know what he's been doing? Um, CC, you know, he's on his last year. He's you know he's retiring after this year. Maybe he gets one last one last push in him. Uh, Jay Happ, I think probably is a is, you know, he's going to go. I feel like we're forgetting to talk about him, and he had himself a pretty solid year last year. Seventeen and six. You cannot, you cannot, uh, you know, you can't forget about that. And I think he's going to do pretty well. He almost had two hundred strikeouts, which I didn't realize. Um, I mean, I know he he got shelled against the Red Sox, and that's a, sort of your lasting impression of him in two thousand eighteen, Greg. But he. You know, he had a pr- he won a number of different number of different starts down the stretch, um, and you know the Yankee he went seven and zero as a Yankee um, in in the regular season seven and one if you count that postseason start. But are you I think he's going to be are you saying this because he was a Philly and you like him because he's a Philly. Uh, he's been a Philly since two thousand ten. Just saying, it sounds like a no, lot of. Uh... I what I'm saying though is that you can't forget about him. You know, I mean. Yes, I don't think comparatively to the Red Sox, the Yankees starting starting staff is not the is not at, at that caliber. But I think, you know, if Severino ends up missing some some time, I think Hap is going to be the guy for a bit. Maybe Paxton, um, maybe Tanaka, but I think Hap is you know he can get some stuff done. You know, Paxton, I, I got his numbers up now, eleven and six. He had over two hundred strikeouts, so we'll see what he does now that he has to that he's coming east. Uh, he obviously had to face Oakland and Houston a number of times last year, and he played, pitched well against both of them, including on the road in September. Which you got to give him, got to give him all props there. But, yeah, no, and and Tanaka's good. He'll be he'll be Tanaka. He'll have his numbers, and every big game he'll dominate for about seven innings. And you know, J Hap, um, he he only pitched 150 innings last year. He was like, hurt do we know how he's? Yeah, I mean, do we know he's going to be all right? I know he he pitched thirty games in seventeen. He pitched thirty games in sixteen. So he's been the last couple of years. It he wrote it well, uh, but seventeen his numbers weren't as good as they had been. So I mean, a nice bounce back year when he was healthy last year. So let's you know. Hopefully he's. I mean, hopefully as a baseball fan, not for you as a Red Sox fan, but hopefully as a baseball fan, he's back to where he was when he first took the league by storm those first couple of years. The big question is for this this Yankee team in my opinion, is going to come down to who plays first base. Fair question. Because you have Luke Voigt, not great. DJ LeMatthew. DJ LeMatthew is going to play second base, I believe. He's going to he's going to bump Glaber Torres? I mean, Glaber, sh- Glaber Torres, who is your MVP, or who who is the rookie of the year, according to every Yankee fan? He can play even shortstop, though, though. Even though he didn't win? Glaber's going to play shortstop, so where does Didi play? He's hurt. Chart. He's hurt, but that's why you have right Troy, now. But that's why you have Troy Tulowitzki, and then you got Miguel Andujar at third. But yeah, D, I don't. Yeah, Didi when he comes back. I mean, it's interesting how they could build it out, though. I mean, yeah, you're obviously not going to move any of them to DH, and 
unseat San- Stanton. I mean, uh, you could you could treat DJ LeMatthew Le- as as LeMahieu, whatever his name is, as a Brock Holt. Yeah, you're adding team. a T into his name. Yeah, sorry. As a Brock okay. Holt of this team, you could treat him that way. Um, but Greg okay, Bird, Greg Bird, looking up, did, has he played first, paid first base for the at all? Yeah, I guess he's played a few games at first, uh, but Bird, not not in the last couple of years. He's been strictly a, a second baseman since 2015. Yeah, but Clay, Glaber just just was your was your rookie of the year, even though he didn't win. Yeah, I mean, you could throw him that. Uh, it's going to be an interesting mix of how they. How did they decide to do this? That's actually a really good good question of who plays where. Yeah, Brett, um, Boone, Brett Boone's little brother is going to have his work cut out for him. And I, honestly, I think this team will, will be as good as Gary Shan- Sanchez is because if he doesn't figure hustle? out... What? They won't hustle? If he doesn't figure out how to catch the ball... <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many balls were in the dirt that went by him? How many times in the playoff series did he just like let the, let the ball go to the backstop and watching him... Watching him have to get up and go chase the ball because he couldn't block a slider in the dirt. Oh, it was hilarious. Oh, man. And then you got Austin Romine, who probably should be the starter, but he can't hit for shit, but neither did Gary Sanchez last year. So, um, Tell him you had him in fantasy. Uh, uh, and, and obviously, we haven't even talked about their outfield. You got Hicks, you got Judge, you got uh, Gardner, you got Stin, you got uh, is Frazier coming back this year? Do we know? Yeah, he's coming back. Uh, and then you got, of course, Jacoby Ellsbury. <laughs> yeah, he's hanging around, man. He's hanging in there. Well, he's paid for the next like eight years. But yeah. um, you know, Aaron Judge, can he stay healthy? Can he do something for a whole year? In my opinion, no. John uh, Carlos Din, is he fading? In my opinion, yes. Brett Gardner, super fast, super annoying. Is he going to be that again this year? Yes. Um, and Aaron Hicks. All right, there's some know. positivity from Greg about the Yankees. We've uh, we filled a quota. Yeah, and Aaron, <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Uh, and Aaron Hicks is probably the best uh, outfielder they have. Oh yeah, he definitely is. Defensively. Defensively, absolutely. Uh, hitting, hitting. I'm, I'd probably still give it to Judge. He hit, he hit 278. To your point, he only played 112 games, but 278 is still 278. Yeah, this guy's supposed to be your superstar. He barely played. Played over a hundred games. That's not barely played. I mean, Aaron Hicks played one thirty-seven. I know that's twenty more games, yeah, but still, coach's decision. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm just messing with you. Honestly, right. um, better than Neil Walker's fucking two nineteen. Greg Bird batting below the Mendoza line. <laughs> hey, she's a great analyst. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Jess Mendoza's great. Talking. Uh, I actually forget the. The Mendoza of the 200. There but, you go. You'll get it. Yeah. Uh, All right. Anyway. Let's, let's move into uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Jordy. Yes. Um, Greg, our favorite team from last year. The team we love to watch. Who Great hitting team and one of the best pitching staffs coming back. And I'm excited to see what this team does, man. Blake Snell, who we argued to death last year. Uh, Charlie Morton, Tyler Glass now. A pretty solid three-pack in terms of starting pitchers um, for a top three. And then it'll be interesting to see what they do with the, the starter method that they started last year. And will they continue that? How will they continue that? And, and does that you know trend to continue, continue to, you know, add on into, into Tampa, but you know, they actually had a pretty good off season. I think they had a, you know, some nice pickups. They picked up Mike Zanino, 
from the Mariners, which, you know, he's a veteran catcher, I think brings a presence there. Like we said, like we said before, Charlie, Morton. Charlie Morton. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's done a lot for Houston and and what they've done. Um, You know, if you want to talk about former Phillies, Greg, that I could really pump their tires. uh, I could talk for days about Charlie Morton and the fact that we let him go. We traded him away. Very upset about that. But anyway, I digress. Um, Yeah, I mean, they they bring back a lot of guys that they've picked up kind of just here and there. Tommy Pham, Matt Duffy, who both came over last year. Um, The one guy I'm sure they're bummed who they actually traded to the Phillies. uh, And he's now in New York, but as a Met is Wilson Ramos. Uh, Zanino's a pretty solid fielding catcher. I don't think he's going to replace what Ramos can do offensively. Um, But I mean, they, they still got a number of guys that I think can, can round the bases for him. Joey Wendell returns and he batted 300 uh, with 61 RBI. So, you know, he'll be a solid top of the lineup guy. Tommy Pham, Austin Meadows, um, Kevin Kiermeyer. So that's their outfield. If uh, you were unaware, I mean, I, I think Greg, these guys are young. They're quick. They can score runs. So can not I necessarily qu- at will, but they can get the job done with, especially with this pitching staff they have. Can is. I ask you a question? Sure. So, this opener position, right? Yeah. So for those who don't know, they had uh, starting pitchers, but the, every f- four, every fifth game or whatever it was, one once in the rotation of five, they had a opener, and he would pitch three to four innings, and then they would just go bullpen basically the whole game. Uh, in one scenario, they had a guy pitch one batter and then switched him out mm-hmm. and went to the bullpen for the rest. Uh, the majority of those times were those actual bullpen guys or were those rookies who were on like a pitch limit just because they were rookies they didn't want to blow out their arms or something uh it is a mix of both it was mainly bullpen guys though to give you an idea for everybody to get an idea craig they had guys like hunter wood who had 29 appearances and eight starts um they had ryan yarborough who started six games and appeared in 38 of them he actually ended up going 16 and six over the course of the season um which was second on the team behind Blake Snell. Um, they have another guy. Sergio Romo is a perfect example. He, you might remember him from all those Giants teams. He start, he appeared in 73 games and started five of them. Um, and then they had other guys that were starters who you know, either got moved, like an Anthony Evaldi, Tyler Glass now, Chris Archer. Um, and so, they, you know, I mean, their, their starting rotation was kind of just a carousel, both of these opener position and – starting pitchers that ended up either getting moved or getting hurt or a mix of both. Um, but yeah, you know, to, that, to answer your question, it's kind of, a, kind of a mixed bag really of what they ended up doing. And they won 90 games out of, out of this. I mean, really kind of taking the card, the cards you were dealt with and, and making a winner out of it, which granted they didn't make the playoffs, but 90 wins is still 90 wins. And that's pretty, that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah. And, and we talked about it. I mean, can they repeat that 90 win season? I'm not sure that's what they're going for. And if they had kept some of their starting pitchers at the, de- at the deadline, maybe they make the playoffs instead of. Uh, that's what's and- so weird about what Tampa did that they won 90 games, but they were effectively sellers. Right. And they and the- missed, the- they missed the playoffs. I mean, by seven games because the, Oakland the Yankees Athletics- won a hundred and athletics won 97. Yep. So they essentially missed because of that, but uh, you're right. They were sellers at the deadline, and they still won 90 games. So the, these offseason moves, well, good. Um, 
the the things that I'm that I've been hearing is that instead of last like last year they did four starting pitchers and then one of this opener. Yep. There's there's talk out there that they're they're going to go three starting pitchers and two of every five days are going to be this opener bullpen system. Now, does that not wear a team out? Yeah, that's a really good point because the idea is for those that aren't aware of what the strategy is, is that the idea is that you could bring in a guy, a veteran guy like Romo and have him pitch against the top of the order where the statistics show there's such a higher percentage of runs that are scored the first time a lineup goes through goes through the order. And then there's such a lower percentage of time of runs by the time the lineup goes through a third time, you know, in the sixth, seventh innings, depending on where it is. The American League happens quicker because of the DH, so on and so forth. So the idea is you bring in a guy, a veteran guy like Sergio Romo or or any opener to face maybe the first five or six batters. And then when you get to the bottom of the order, you bring in, like Greg asked, if it's a younger guy, a younger starter, you bring him in at that point to then get his get his bearings, get settled in by the time he gets back up to the top of the order. To answer your question of whether or not this wears on a team, it absolutely does. And it's something that you have to be aware of. And if you're Tampa and you're in your, you know, trying to repeat 90 wins, that's really, really leveraging a lot of what your pitching staff is doing. You're either running yourself where you are effectively having to take away a bench spot so that you make sure that you have more bullpen guys, um, which maybe you can do. You play in the, you play in the American league. You have a DH. You don't have to start thinking about pinch hitting and double switches and all that sort of stuff. So maybe you can get away with that, but you know, it's a risky move to take. So we'll see, we'll see what they end up doing. I, I think you might see them start the season this way. And maybe they have some guys who, you know, want to become full-time starters or, feel more comfortable or guys they want to bring up from triple a or, or what may, what it might be. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I don't think it's a sustain a sustainable model yet. It could be given the right lineup or the right 20 man, 25 man roster build. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't think this lineup is built that way though. And it is, nor do I think it has the firepower to try to match the leverage that they're putting on this team, on the pitching staff. It's tough because, you know, you have Fam, Fam, yeah, Tommy Fam, Fam, yeah, Tommy Fam, and they're they. I'll put it this way: they have to play as a as a National League team. They have they were 16th in Major League Baseball in runs, 27th in homers, but they were third in, in batting average. You know they manufacture runs there, guess, and then I guess what they I'm have trying, a, Sorry, go ahead. A, no, no, no. I was just going to say. Then their pitching staff is just it was firing on all cylinders last year. You had Blake Snell who had an incredible season. You had another a number of other dudes who this pitching staff by committee did a really good job. But I don't know. At some point, you can talk about how the Yankees led the led the American League in homers, and you know how how that worked for them with not having the greatest batting average when the when the bats go cold. Um, but the reverse isn't necessarily the answer either. You need you need balance and you need something like that. And I, it's just not it doesn't seem like it'll be sustainable. I don't know. I, I interrupted you. What were your thoughts? No, no, I interrupted you. That was that was that was my fault. Um, I just it was the same thing we started out with the Baltimore Orioles. 
when going down their their projected starting lineup and and how many names would you recognize? If I do that same exact thing, because I put you on the spot for the last one, and I'm going to put myself on the spot for this one, mm-hmm. uh, I recognize one, maybe two names, and I watched this team last year play the Red Sox 18 times. So yeah, I mean, so so for me, it's. I'm just talking about their offense here, but yeah. for me, you know, it's it's almost like you had 90 wins and you 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 almost did nothing to improve yourself. Yeah, because you like you said, you got rid of Archer, you got rid of Evaldi, you got rid of all these guys, and the Rays are a team that always stockpiles picks. The Rays are a team that always always turn around and 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 has the number one pick, and and at what point does that end? Like, at what point are you gonna Make a run. They made a run one year with Tool Whiskey, uh, or two years. But are they try? Are they just? Is that going to be their mo? Every they're going to make one run, and then everyone's going to become a free agent, and then they're going to blow it up again, and then make another run after seven years, and then everyone's going to become a free agent, blow it up, and then make another run after seven years. Is that just going to be their thing for the rest of time? Like when? When do they sustain? I guess I mean I guess they can't because they don't have the money to pay people like the Yankees and Red Sox. But at what point are they going to sustain and keep some of these guys? Yeah, it's a fair point because as you mentioned, they've done this how many times now in twenty years? This is their twenty second year in Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. and they've now since coming onto the scene as the Rays in two thousand eight with Longoria, Price, that whole team that you know went to the World Series. They've done this effectively twice uh, you can debate more if you want to and how many times they've really you know hit the reset button and everything um yeah I, I don't know at some point they have to figure that out i mean i don't know if this is if this is literally just the island of misfit toys um for you know the, the from moneyball and everything because it, it it you know it's a fair point that you know guys like duffy fom come over here zanino comes over here see what he does um then they got their young guys like joey wendell Austin Meadows, you know, Kiermaier. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what this team does. They're over under set at 84 and a half, which is a really intriguing number because it's, you know, I think this is a 500 club. I don't know if it's an 85 is a, is a, that's like you're, you're floating around wild card territory. Now, granted last year, the American league, because of how big of a, of a divide there was between the haves and the have nots, it turned out being an 85 win team was nowhere close to being a wild card team, but I don't know. You see, I just don't know if they're 87, 88, 90 wins again. I definitely think they're above 80. You know, if I had to pick a range, I'd say 80 to 85 sounds right at home for this team. So that the, the whole, the Rays doing worse than last year was the whole reason why I started out by saying when I, we talked about the Red Sox, why I started out by saying that this division will be way weaker than it was last year mainly because they did lose the starting pitching that they traded away they did lose um you know some of their bats in free agency so i personally don't think that they're going to do as well i don't think they're going to win 90 games and i don't think that i think you can get away with with taxing your bullpen for one um or one day of the five because clearly they did they they did it last year clearly they did it last year but i'm not sure you can get away with it with two out of every five days because what happens if like Blake Snell had to win the Cy Young? He had to win the Cy Young Award for that system to work because yeah. he would eat up innings. Even Archer eat, ate up innings, even though you know the manager kept him in just to eat up innings. But that my point being that 
they had to have a Cy Young Award winner eat up innings, and and he was. There's no guarantee he'll he'll repeat that success because how often does a guy win the Cy Young two years in a row? Um, exactly. So, in my opinion, like if any of the other starter or the guys who are their starters has a bad day, guess what? Your bullpen's now taxed potentially three days in a row, four days in a row, five days in a row, and you're screwed for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's like I said, you're you're leveraging a lot on your on your pitching staff by trying to implement this even further with a second starter. Um, I mean, unless you're doing one guy and you just said, this is your job, you're going to be the starting specialist. You're going to pitch five batters, then you're out. You know, I don't know. Um, I don't know if that's sustainable. I mean, if you're doing, if you're telling a guy to pitch five guys in the next three days, you're not pitching no matter what, unless we really need you in the 12th inning and we've used everybody because of this, that, and the other thing, you know, Maybe maybe that's a way that you make it more sustainable. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there, but yeah, I think I think it is. It's sadly because this is a team we had a ton of fun watching. That's it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a a worse year, but I still think above five hundred. Agreed. Uh, let's move into the Toronto Blue Jays. Yes, the Toronto Blue Jays, the sole Canadian team, uh, potentially not for long, and we can discuss. MLB expansion and all that good stuff at, at later date, but the blue Jays, Greg come into this season. They finished last year in fourth place. They were 73 and 89. Um, you know, I mean, just kind of a, you know, a, a typical, you know, fourth place finish, you know, average on at home, ter- not so good on the road. Uh, these guys last year, they were, you know, just kind of, they were middle of the road offensively, but pretty bad pitching wise. And that's something that we, I think every single year we've given them that same criticism is we don't know what they're bringing to the table pitching wise, and it hasn't really paid off for them. What are your first impressions of this team? When you look at them, you know, transactions and all. Uh, I mean, they went out and added three pitchers, three yeah. starting pitchers, Clay Buckholds, Matt Shoemaker and Clayton Richard uh, mm-hmm. to, to go along with Stroman and Sanchez. Um, they added Bud Norris in the bullpen via trade. They added John Axford via in the bullpen. Everything in me is telling me that they're they're doing moves to at least come in third, if not a wild card. The thing that frustrates me the most about this team is something that you and I talked about at, at Nauseam last year, but Vlad Guerrero Jr., the GM flat out came out and said that he is not an MLB player right now. Yeah, it is super frustrating because it's one of those things. And like you said, we mentioned this a lot with Acuna. Um, and we probably, I mean, if we had known better, we would pro- we might have said it about Soto, but I don't, I don't know if anybody really would have was saying it about Soto a year ago. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things. This guy's been raking in spring training. Major League Baseball tweets out his home runs. His first home run was a fucking, it was a laser. It was close to the laser show, but it was just a little... <laughs> stayed just no more than five yards about how you know five ten yards off the ground and just right over the left center field wall i mean it's something that's that's it is pretty fucking crazy that he doesn't get to you know he doesn't he's not there yet and he's still going to be the number one prospect in baseball and who knows if they're just waiting until april whatever if to call him up and and 
get him set up that way. Um, so, but, or, 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 you know, is it one of those things where they did like with Chris Bryan and those other guys who are and even Acuna last year who won the, that's the what I mean. You wait year. until April. I think it's 15th, 16th to call him up. So it doesn't count as your, it counts as your rookie year, but it doesn't count when you come back for free agency and all that stuff. Uh, so I was confused. Cause I thought, I, for some reason, uh, I when I hear I, when I think baseball season over, I think March because spring training. Uh, but really, it's April. Um, I didn't realize that he was a third baseman, by the way. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Yeah, I think he's a third baseman. I think he plays outfield as well. Um, I think he plays a, a couple different positions. I need to go double check. So, uh, so the, the, in terms of what he's designated in, in our fan in our dine, or, uh, keeper league. So, th- so the thing, the thing that I mean, Kevin Pilar. Ugh, this guy, this guy, Kevin Pillar, the center fielder for Toronto. He's just one of those. I've said this at nauseum. I think I've said it in this pod before, but any AL East team, especially the Red Sox and Yankees, whenever they have to go to Toronto and play in that dome, they don't win. They lose. They lose series. Two out of three. Two out of three. Two out of three. Last year, um, last year when I was in Boston. You and I were watching the end of that series. You were, you looked depressed <laughs> that they had to go. To, that they were in Toronto. We were watching that in the NFL draft. <laughs> I was because they never win in Toronto. They never win in Toronto, and the Yankees are in the same boat for whatever reason. Maybe it's the lighting. Maybe it's I don't know. But two years ago, the the Toronto Blue Jays were in the playoffs. Correct. Three years ago. Oh, that I was three years they ago. Made the playoffs. I don't think they. I'm pretty sure they didn't make the playoffs in 2017. I'm going to double check now. They definitely didn't 16. Um, what was they the went bat to the, flip year? That was 15. Was the bat flip year? Okay. Yeah. No. They. Yeah. Last, in 2017, it was the Red Sox and the Yankees. Um, and the Yankees won. Yeah, because the Yankees won the the wild card game and went to the ALCS and lost to Houston. Um, yeah. Toronto was 76 and 86 last year. Double checking 16. I think they made the playoffs that year too. Yeah, they did. Three teams in the AL East made it: uh, Boston, Toronto, and Baltimore. Coming back around to them, um, but yeah, I mean, things really tailed off pretty quickly after. Really, after the after that, remember, remember Baltimore beat beat uh, or Baltimore lost to Toronto because they didn't bring in um, closer closer uh, Zach Britton. Yes, they didn't bring in Zach Britton. Um, wow, that's a blank. Right there. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, Toronto, that's a fair point, though, because it really, I mean, obviously, Jose Bautista kind of took a dive, um, and he wasn't really, he was a non factor last year, and he wasn't really a factor two years ago either. Um, but they still got Kend- Kendry's Morales, they still have Kevin Pilar. They ended up picking up Freddie Galvis in the middle of last year uh, from San Diego. And, uh, or did they get him in the offseason? I'm double checking now, but. He's playing shortstop for him, a former Philly who can a little bit of pop, but uh pretty good fielder, which is kind of what they need there. Uh, plus they have Ken, plus they have Ken Giles who had zero blown saves last year. Uh when he came to Toronto, yes. Right. Right. He if you remember, he was with Houston. He ended up getting into a couple shouting matches with with their manager. Uh got sent down to the minors, picked up off waivers by Toronto. And yeah, when he got brought up. He ended up being this uh, incredible player for that for Toronto, and and really ended up 
kind of being a catalyst that I think held them held them for a while, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't I don't think they were having that good of a year before they got him, and I think he he ended up helping them out a ton. I'm trying to look up his numbers here. Oh, yeah, 21 so- games appearances, uh, 14 saves uh, in 19 innings. Uh, kind of a shitty ERA, but yeah, I don't see any blown and zero blown saves here comparatively to Tyler Clippert at six, Ryan Tapera at eight, Sung Juan O oh at one, and Roberto Suna at one blown save as well. So definitely a big pick me up for that team. So, and the thing that that's crazy about this team is their prospects. They have they have they have five an incredible system, unbelievable system. They have five guys who are in the top one hundred entire major league, uh, minor league prospects, including uh, Danny Jensen, who is probably going to be their starting catcher as a rookie. Um, which, I mean, how often do you see that a rookie catcher come out of nowhere that was drafted in twenty thirteen? Um, and now is in is, is going to be the starter. Um, plus, they got uh, Bo Bichette and Nate Pearson. Pearson being uh, starting pitcher, but and then Vlad Guerrero Jr., who we talked about uh, already. But this team, you could argue, has better uh, prospects than the Rays that we were just talking about. Yeah, I think Toronto is definitely on a, in a position where they're. Whatever, whatever you want to call this, I wouldn't necessarily call it a rebuild because I don't think they're in a, uh, you know, in a position that they're gonna like be tanking, trying to get picks and everything. Um, I don't know. You know, it, it'll be really interesting to see where they are sitting in July. I don't, I don't think it'll be tough, or I, don't, I think it will be tough for them to match the clip. The Red Sox and the Yankees will be running. The Red Sox probably a couple paces ahead of the Yankees at that point. Um, you can feel free to interpret that as you want, as I know you will, but it'll be really interesting to see if what the markets look like for outfielders, for infielders, if they want to try to see what they can get for Justin smoke or for, you know, there, there are guys up the middle, Devin Travis and Freddie Galvis can certainly help a contender and, and, and all that stuff. I mean, who knows? It'll be, this team is probably going to be one to really watch how they're doing, especially offensively, because do they have- offensively last year, they were middle of the road, you know. They weren't terrible. Do they have? Do they have the makings of being this 2018's version of the Braves? A team that that ends up just kind of really coming onto the scene in in late April and a never team, really, never really giving into the youth. You mean exactly? Because they're going to have all these prospects get called up. Uh, they have the starting pitching and Stroman and Sanchez and Clay Buckholtz. Uh, as who had an unbelievable year last year with Arizona, granted yep. hitters ballpark, but still and the National League, which is a joke. But um, oh, hey you're gonna let that you're gonna let that shot go by, hey man. Don't uh, don't let so, the don't so, get, don't let the extra strikeout fool you. <laughs> it's great. A lot of so, strategy. A lot of strategy in the National League. So my point being that um, no laughs about double switches, Greg. Tell this, that to Gabe the Babe. I love Gabe the Babe. Maybe maybe this do. may not be the maybe this may not be the the Braves. Maybe that's a little on the limb. But I, maybe they're the, maybe they're the Rays. Maybe they're the team that wins ninety and doesn't make the playoffs and is still a seller. I could see they, them being like a mix. I could see the, the problem is is that they're in the American League East, so I think they're closer to the Rays than they are to a Braves. 
Yeah, because the Braves were in the shittiest division last year, yeah. Well, think about this. I mean, to your point, Greg, <laughs> the Nationals were supposed to be the, the far and away favorite in the in the National League East and every other team. Maybe the Mets, if they stayed healthy, were supposed to suck because the the Braves were up and coming, the Phillies were up and coming, and who, who the fuck knows what the Marlins are. Um, but then the, the Nationals never got it together, and the Braves just never gave it up, and they just built confidence. So unless you're admit, unless if you want to say they're going to be the Braves, you're basically saying that the Red Sox drastically under underperformed to expectations that they have. The Yankees drastically underperformed to the expectations they have, and so on and so forth. Because there's, and I mean, even the the Rays, I would think, would have to, to underperform to what we were just talking about as a above 500 team. Toronto, I don't know is a, I don't know if they're a 500 team or not. I think that's their upside with what they have offensively and the guys they brought in for pitching. But, you know, I, I just – we talk about this a lot when we talk – when we are over at Blue Line Icing or when we talk – you and I talk about basketball offline or anything like that. There's so many teams that you have to hopscotch to, to get there. And the fact that you're playing in a division that includes teams that won 100 games and could – either could do that again and both might do that again – it's tough to to be really in that in that mix for potentially getting into a wild card conversation when we'll get to the West and the American League. We'll get to the the Central problem. The Central might be hanging around, but we can talk about that another day. <laughs> you know, we discussed right. our our thoughts on it. But Jordy, let's get into predictions. We'll start at the bottom, head to the top. Who do you have coming in fifth? Uh, Baltimore in fifth. Okay, how many wins? Last year they had 47. I'm going to be Mr. Positive here and say they get to 63 and don't lose 100 games. The Marlins could get to 63 last year where they were just trading away anyone and everyone that had a pulse. I think this this Baltimore team can potentially do that. Nice. 47 uh, is pretty low. I'm also going to go Baltimore, but I'm going to say they're more in the... 68, 69, 70 win range. Okay. All right. Um, maybe not that high because that'll make that'll make the AL East that much of a harder division. But yeah. Okay. So so well, I'll go sixty. I'll go sixty-seven on the high end. Sixty-six, sixty-five. All right. Uh, instead. So fourth, who do you got? Coming into it, the night. I would have said Tampa or Toronto, but after after our preview, I'm going to go Tampa Bay comes in fourth. Uh, I just don't think that the three three man rotation with two opening whatever they call it is going to work. And uh, I think at the end of the day, it hurts them. And um, they they made it so far because of guys like Evaldi and Archer, who they traded away. So and Snell winning the Cy Young and and. How many? I I can honestly say that I don't think anyone's ever won back to back Cy Youngs in the modern era. So uh, I'm gonna go with the Rays. Never did. Not back to back. Wow. I figured Roger Clemens maybe, but um, I don't think he did either. Um, so Google. I'm gonna go with the Tempe Rays with 70, 70 wins on the nose. Tell me who your fourth place is. I'm going to go Toronto. I'm going to say that they and Tampa finished close. Uh, Toronto probably wins about 78 games. 
I'm going to have Tampa come in at 81. So they're my third place team. But uh, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a down year, as we mentioned, or relative to last year, down year for Tampa. But I still think Toronto, we need to see a little more. We need to see how they come out of the gate. Because I think if they can come out, if they come out of April and they continue to they continue to perform at the clip they do, it could be possible. But I think just being in the AL East, I think that becomes really the factor that makes the difference. So I have them in fourth and jumping into third, I have Tampa at 81 wins. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to go Toronto in third um, with what, what happened to the Phillies win last year? Uh, the Phillies won 80, uh, 80, no, the Phillies the won 80, yeah. Yeah, 80 on the dot. Yep. Okay, then I'm going to go 81, just like you said. Um, okay. And Greg, to answer your question about back-to-back Cy Youngs, Pedro did win back-to-back, 1999 and 2000. Nice. No one in the American League has done it since then, but in the National League, it's been a, it's happened a couple times since the year 2000, including right. a streak that started in 1999, a four straight by Randy Johnson. Clayton, uh, Tim Lincecum won back-to-back in sure 08 there. and 09. Clayton Kershaw did in 13 and 14. He won three of four, uh, 11, 13, and 14. And then Scherzer most recently in 16 and 17. Uh, and Roger Clemens, it looks like, did do it back-to-back as a member of the Blue Jays. Um and as a member of the Red Sox, he did it twice. He did it in 86, 87. He won another one as a Red Sox in 91. And then two in 97 and 98 as a member of the Blue Jays. Yeah, I thought I thought he did it with um, with the Red Sox. But Pedro... He did do it with the Red Sox. Pedro yeah. won the first one. Uh, 99, yeah. The, the, unre- the, the Pedro year. Yeah. Yeah, he was good. If you've never looked up the... Yeah, I know you have, Greg, but if you've never looked up Pedro in the 99 All-Star game, look that up. It is possibly so, the most impressive feat. You will. Say what you will about the MLB All-Star game, but it's incredible. So the thing that gets me is he's the only – he's the one of the best pitchers of all time. Oh, easily. And he, and he did it during the steroid era, and you could 100% just looking at his body, you could tell he never once did steroids, and he still was – that dominant back-to-back he won what four Cy Youngs like unreal one of the best players of all time pitchers of all time during the steroid era at the numbers 99 he won 23 games a 2.07 ERA over 300 strikeouts the next year he went 18 and 6 he lost he lost two more games and won five less with an ERA of 1.74 and 30 less strikeouts I mean just absolute fucking dominance man And then, as you mentioned, he did it a couple more times over in the NL um, as a member of the Mets, I believe. He he won one. Um, I'm trying to double check if that is indeed correct. I don't see him here. I thought he did. Um, I know he did. As a member of the Expos, he won it. Um, Yeah. He won three of four years. Yeah, 1997. Three of four years with two different teams. How nuts is that? Yeah, so that's my point is that is that he did it during the steroid era and during the height of Maguire and Sosa and all that. So yeah. you could argue, I mean, Roger Clemens did it, but he was obviously taking steroids clearly based on his body, and he got caught. Um, but yeah, yeah. More so he got caught, not just based on his body. He got uh, caught. 
Jordy, tell me why the Yankees are going to be the second in the American League East. Yeah, I think they're going to be in second. I think by by what? What, what was the divide? It was eight games last year, one hundred eight to one hundred on the dot. Yeah, um, yeah. I you know I don't know if the Yankees actually get to hundred games again. I think they win. Like, I think they win ninety ninety. I'm going to go ninety six games. I'm going to take the over on their number of ninety four and a half. Same as the Red Sox. Why do you think they drop? I just think you know we mentioned a little bit with that pitching staff. I just don't know. Obviously, I think they can make they can make some deals. There's still a number of guys still out there. So if they end up getting a guy like Keuchel, uh, I think that makes a huge difference, especially with whatever's happening to to Luis to Luis Severino, um, who they said now is not going to be ready for opening day. Okay, yeah. So we have that. We have officially confirmed that. So if that if that if this causes them to go out and get Keuchel, and then whenever Severino comes back, I mean, I think the over then becomes comes fairly certain. Um, the reason why for the down is I think, you know, I I just think the American League got a little bit better this year. You know, I, I think we'll see a little bit, a little bit of a not complete leveling of the playing field because there's certainly teams that are out there that are going to be trying to get some draft picks in the mix here. Um, we mentioned one in, in Baltimore, and I tried to be Mr. Positive on it and saying they'd win 63 games, but who knows? Maybe they really go full full tank and uh, you know try to outdo themselves from last year. Who knows what Kansas City does? Who knows what Detroit does? I think the Kansas White Sox City, are going to see, be better. Did you see Kansas City just uh... – their starting catcher just in just um yeah how how about that Tommy, man uh, Tommy John Salvador surgery? Perez Salvador Perez is the consummate professional man that guy is awesome um but yeah that's a really good point yeah they just lost their catcher but yeah I just think I think the the Yankees just have a bit of a down year I think a hundred wins to match that when three teams in one league win a hundred games I just think it's hard to match that clip again and I think the Astros are still pretty solid I think the Red Sox can win a hundred games again. Um, so that, that's part of why I just think a down year, I think just no real, no real statistics, no hard hitting analysis, just kind of just thinking, you know, this it's, that's a hard feat to do twice. It's really a lot of my, my logic there. Yeah, no. And, and I agree. They're not going to win a hundred. Uh, I'm going to say like 96, 97. Yeah. Um, I think they get close. They're definitely going to get close. They have the talent to do so. Maybe even ninety eight. Um, just looking at like the Oakland Athletics won ninety seven last year, so it's not far out that the Yankees could repeat again with that ninety six ninety seven uh, number. They play in a little league park and they have guys who hit home runs, so it's it's understandable they're going to put up numbers like they did last year, even though the Red Sox scored more runs than they did. But like we said, they're pitching, and that's I think the difference. Yeah, their bullpen may be the greatest of all time, but you still have to get the game to the bullpen. So, you know, as you said, with Severino out, and who knows if they go out and get – if things could change if they go out and get uh, Keuchel. But Kluber? Kluber? Keuchel? Who's on the market? Keuchel. Kluber is still Keuchel. a Cleveland Indian. Keuchel, that's what I said. Yeah. I said that originally, but um, – and that's what, that's what puts me at the number one team in the Red Sox, which is um, because – as we said, yes, they lost their closer, but they got that much better on offense because of Dustin Pedroia, because of full year of Pierce, because of full year of Ivaldi coming in starting pitching. They got that much better overall that Kimbrel may not matter as much, but I do think they need a closer before the year starts. 
Um, but I'm going to go with the Red Sox win first place in the division. Uh, and they had 108 last year. I'm going uh, 105. Yeah, I'm going to go Red Sox, and I'm going to say I'm going to go a little less. I'll say 102. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I mean, it's just tough to, to, if we're going to go on actual numbers, it's just tough to think that that, that the clip the American League was at last year. And again, this is knowing that there's open tanking across the league, um, both, both leagues, rather. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those, you got, you just, it's tough to get to, you know, no real, no real rhyme or reason there. But Greg, before we wrap this thing up, any, I know we will get into the official stadium snacks, bleacher creatures. Um, we mentioned a couple, but are there any stories you wanted to point out? Cause I know I mentioned a few before. Yeah. Clay Buckholz. Yeah. Our boy, my boy, love clay Bay. No, uh, uh, honestly, Jordy, this, before we head into the bleacher creatures, th- this, this off season was hectic and crazy, but it was nice not having the Red Sox spend all their money and waste all their money on either guy of Harper and Machado because when all these bills come to do next year, uh, like Xander Bogarts, like Chris Sale, like potential David Price, like uh, Mookie Betts, when all these bills come due, Jackie Bradley Jr., they're going to need to dish out the money uh, and dish it out big if the Red Sox win another 108 game, 100 and whatever games. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, you some nice tickets there. Yeah, I'm glad that they saved some of their money, even though they're going to hit the luxury tax. But oh, by the way, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, I love ahead. it, love it. So uh, I'm glad they saved their money for the following year, and and I'm glad that uh, Bryce Harper stays in the the NL. The NL. I'm uh, I'm very happy that he stayed in the NL. But we'll <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Different pod, different day. Different pod, different day, and uh, hopefully a third ge- uh, third host. They'll tease for that. Greg, you mentioned you have a bleacher creature. So maybe not a bleacher creature, but another story. Jess Mendoza, we mentioned her earlier on the podcast. Uh, she was actually hired by the Mets. Was she? Yes, in a baseball. I forget her exact title, um, but like advisor, a baseball advisor role. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not sure if that means that she's done with ESPN, but uh, I just thought it was interesting that you know we have a lot of guys. So a baseball, I just have it up. I'm pulling it up now. Baseball yeah, operations, awesome. good for her. Baseball operations, uh, run office advisor. advisory role. Yeah. So she will, as an advisor to the team, she will. She just signed a multi-year contract with ESPN. She will, her focus will be in areas of player evaluation, roster construction, techno technological advancement and health and performance. Um, and then there's a, there's a statement by Brody Van Wagnon, the agent turned Mets GM. Um, it does not say what her job, if she'd continue at ESPN or not, um, she will remain. Oh, here we go. She will remain a member of ESPN Sunday Night Baseball announcing crew, per Tim Britton of the Athletics. So good for Jess. That's an awesome role. Um, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that just came. We to didn't the win. We we lost in softball. She's a silver. She won a gold medal in 2004, and we we lost in 2008. The last time softball was in the Olympics, uh, we won a silver medal. 
when it was in um, what was it? Oh eight in Beijing. We being the USA. Yeah, the USA. Kind of a bummer. That's surprising because uh, I'm pretty sure yeah. Team USA is like we, the UConn women's yeah, they basketball team. Yeah, they mow down other yeah. other countries. I'm pretty sure they're like sure. the UConn women's basketball team of softball. Yeah, I think you're very accurate on that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, good for Jess Mendoza. That's an awesome story. Yeah, that's Thank a, you. It's a, it's a, you it's a, you're welcome a for bringing that to your attention. Creature. You're happy. Yeah. You're, oh, so my actual bleacher creature, uh, I have one, but I'll, I'll do it after yours. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, no, you go with yours while I pull mine up. Okay. Did you see this this Instagram video, that really YouTube video that went viral? of a hockey dad in Canada mic'd up his ah, yeah. his four-year-old son during one of his practices, his learn to skate practices, whatever it was. Have you seen the full video? Seen, I have seen the video, and it's incredible. Oh, it's unreal. My roommate and I have it on repeat. We quote, we quote it to each other, one, two, one, two, one, two. Uh, you know, the, this this kid is just... You know, he, it, it's what you would imagine. It's what you have your own internal thoughts, Jordy, as, as anyone who played any type of sports will know, even gym class, you just, there, there are times where you're like, all right, I'm done. And, and as a four-year-old, he literally sits on the ground and says, all right, I'm done. No. <laughs> and it's just, it's, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, I Incredible. Forget it's an awesome video. I forget exactly what it's on, but if you Google it, I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, that'd be my bleacher creature. It's just a, a genius idea by this dad. Um, and the problem is I think most people are now are going to try and replicate it and it's going to be overdone, but this was a great idea by the dad and hopefully, uh, hopefully he's, he's him and his son are closer because of it. Yeah. I mentioned, uh, when we talked about this on our hockey podcast, the blue line icing, it just reminds me of like, of it's what you see a ton of kids on ski mountains with GoPros and like, they think they're, you know, they're doing this for the gram and everything, but like, this is the reason why. Your kids play, you see like mic'd up and all that sort of stuff. And I mean, this is the kind of stuff, this is the, this is why it's important. This is why we play, you know, it's a kid being a kid and him having an awesome time. And, you know, there's nothing better than that. And yeah, it's pure. It's pure. He's not acting. Joy. Yeah. He's not acting. He's literally, those are his thoughts. He's like, all right, I'm tired. I'm going to lay down. Yeah. And, oh, dad, can we go to McDonald's after this? All I want is McDonald's. Literally it's, it's what we've all thought just we were older and we were like, all right, we can't actually sit down. We can't actually lay on the ground. And at one point the kid starts crawling and he goes, Oh, this will work. And then he starts doing the drill crawling the whole time yeah. until coach comes and picks him up. And it's just, it's hilarious. It's, it's hilarious. Cause how many times have we thought the same thing? Oh, I'll just crawl and see what happens. So, uh, that's my bleacher creature, Jordy. What do you got? Yeah. So mine is, it's from a couple weeks ago. Um, well, the tweets from almost a month ago, but it was an article I read that's on USA Today, and it's just talking about trying to rename spring training. So just kind of a, a grouchy bleacher creature. But the tweet that that inspired it was the Indians at the end of January took a picture of Progressive Field, their home stadium, covered in snow and says, if we get, and it just shows weather info and everything and that how cold it is because of the lake effect. It says, if we get a million retweets, we'll lick the foul pole. Uh, in reference to the great Christmas movie, a Christmas story. Um, so I just had to mention that. And this article talks about just trying to be like, Oh, they're playing games in February and spring doesn't start until the end of March. And the, the, the regular season starts a week after it's officially spring and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's a little bit, bit complaining. I know you're in the same boat that I am where 
we have, you know, we have a ton of, you know, we've really shitty weather and it's been kind of all over the place. I don't know. If, I'm sure. It's been, the wind's been worse for you guys. Cause you're more right on the ocean than us comparatively between being between two rivers. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh it was a funny tweet that got kind of taken as a, as a launching point for this guy, basically to complain about winter weather and the fact that, uh, especially here in the Northeast, it doesn't really become spring until April because it just marches just a shitty month weather-wise. Yeah, and it sounds like whoever wrote this is just writing something to write something because... Yeah, it, it feels like that reading it. This, that's a joke, man. That's like a... That's a joke. Whatever that yeah. was, that was a joke. Uh, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> there can't be a real comment by whoever wrote that, like... Oh, yeah, they, don't call it spring training because it's actually in the fall. Well, no, like uh, or actually in the winter. Yeah, People, the, the the funniest, Greg, is the guy gets he pulls tweets from random point from random dates to use at the end of it. Uh, one of them is from June thirteenth, two thousand eighteen. Another, a couple that are that are from February of two thousand nineteen. One from March of 2016, and then the oldest tweet was on February 28th, 2011. That's from the, some guy that says, the Royals lost 12-11. Why is it called spring training if they play in February? Sweet brag that the Royals lost, bro. But, you know, <laughs> that fucking happens. Pitchers and catchers show up in the middle of February for the exact reason why this dude's writing the article, because it's cold here. They go to fucking Florida and 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 Arizona so they can you know get warm and and be ready to go so they're not fucking throwing their arms off in, exactly. in April weather in Boston, Philadelphia, Chicago, wherever the hell you're playing. Exactly. Uh and you know when I was younger, Jordy, this may be stupid. Um but I thought because the Red Sox went to Florida, I thought every single team went to Florida. I had no idea that Arizona was a thing until probably I would say middle school or high school or later than I care to admit. You thought they only went to Florida? Yeah, because all I knew was the Red Sox went to Florida. So I yeah. and then like I was also living in New York at the time. So the Yankees were down there, the Mets were down there. So I was like, oh, you know, the Yankees, Mets, Red Sox were all down there. Every team in the major league must be down there. I think I knew of Arizona because of Major League, the movie. Uh, I didn't even put that together. Yeah, with the cactuses and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even put that together. Yeah. Uh, but you're more of a technical guy than I am, so you pay attention to stuff like that. The Phillies are down in Florida. Yeah, they're yeah they're uh, they're in Clearwater, so they're not far from where the Yankees are. They're on the the West Coast on the Gulf the Gulf side. So, because because Cleveland goes to Arizona, right? They do. The Cubs do. I'm pretty sure the White Sox do. All the all the West Coast teams go to Arizona. The Dodgers yeah. did not for a while. That was the the origin of the original Bleacher Creature, Paul Piatelli's, uh your cousins be, uh, sprinting to defeat the children and, and getting a home run ball. That was in Dodger town, but now they're, now they're in Arizona. So, but Cleveland doesn't seem far enough West to go to Arizona. Yeah. I think it's kind of a mis a mixed bag of who decides to go where, I don't know if it's something to do with uh, contracts of, of where, you know, their minor league teams are. Cause I know like, I'm sure the Red Sox do the same thing. The Phillies play where their single A team plays. I'm pretty sure the Yankees do the same thing. Um, I know when Do the Dodgers were there, they showed the Dodgers single A team's logo. Same with the Mets, the Port St. Lucie Mets. Um, so I, I don't know if it's something like that. I know they all share stadiums in Arizona. So I don't know if it's it, where that is, but if they have like a triple A team that's 
on the West Coast or more in the middle of the country comparatively to Cleveland. Maybe that's part of it so that their minor league camp can be there and it's not that far of travel so they don't have to pay as much. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing throwing ideas against the wall here. Yeah. I would assume it's just more of like Arizona's West Coast time, so let's go our West Coast teams or Central time, let's go our, our West Coast plus Central teams to stay in that. Um, plus, it's probably easier for the fans to go down there than it is to go to Florida, which is why I've, that might be it. I know, I know, with the Cubs, that that's where so many people retire from Chicago too, right? And that's why I'm so surprised about. Yeah, that's exactly the point. Like, what Chicago people go to Arizona to retire, Northeast people go to Florida to retire. So it makes sense, but that's why I'm surprised about. Cleveland, because I didn't, I, I didn't know Cleveland people went to Arizona, but yeah. I guess Maybe we can do some research for the AL Central podcast enough. to get the people an answer. Yeah, uh, real well, last question uh, regarding this topic, Jordy. Uh, do the Rays have a spring training facility despite their home place in ta- in Florida? I believe they do. I believe once when I was in Florida a couple years ago, I I drove by the Rays spring training facility. Again, I think it's their their single A teams stadium. Uh, okay, and they just go there um, to play. Uh, okay, what I think, about, uh, especially okay. with the trop, they don't they don't. I know they don't play their spring training games in the trop. Yeah, no, I know that. So then the Miami Marlins, Marlins are the same. I would think so. Okay. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else? Not that I can think of. I know we'll get into stadium snacks a little closer to opening day because I have. I have some, but they're mainly Phillies related, so I can save that for the the Phillies pod. But yeah, um, normally normally we for, do a normally we do a uh, all new like because normally they have the announcement of new stadium yeah, snacks. I don't think that, I, I haven't seen those articles come out yet, so we'll have to we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that. And if you do, maybe. send them to us. And yeah, exactly. And maybe when we get our uh, MLB our major league baseball insider that we have who works yeah. for, for the major league company. Maybe if we get uh, that is person, it, does he work for MLB or does he work for MLB network? I keep saying MLB network. No major league baseball. He works. He worked in major, the major league baseball offices. That's awesome. In, um, yeah, in New York. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you all will, will remember who we're talking about soon enough, but Greg, <laughs> thank you so much for this. This was a ton of fun. I know, uh, Kind of like last week with blue line icing, we had to we had to kind of peel out some time because I had a hockey game and, and whatnot. And and I'm glad we were able to get this in. Hopefully, I can get another one in this week. I'm trying to find someone, a, a dance partner, if you will, to do another another division preview because three weeks from Friday is opening day, official opening day. I know there's the Japan games, I believe, in less than you know, like two from tomorrow, I believe. Um, but I don't really count those. Um, yeah, so that's I think that's gonna do it for us. Make sure you follow it. Follow us on all the social medias, ThunderBLG on Twitter, Thunderbox Sports on Instagram and Facebook, just like the website, thunderboxsports.com. Greg, you are the man. Thank you so much for hopping on. Jordy, as always, pleasure is all mine, buddy. I miss you. We gotta catch up in person. We do have to catch up in person. Hopefully, uh hopefully soon. Hopefully we find something. Um, especially once it gets warm. But that's in. gonna do it. Yeah, awesome. That's going to do it for us. For my man, Greg the Prophet Piatelli. I am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Have a great night, everybody. And go Phils!